Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Valerie Riddle, 1989 alum of the USF Health Morsani College of Medicine, and your host for the USF Health Morsani College of Medicine Alumni Society podcast. Today, we are continuing our series on military medicine and experiences that our alumni have had. I am very happy to have with me today, Dr. Candace Castro. She is a triple bull, having graduated from the University of South Florida with her undergraduate degree in 1973, her medical degree in 1976, and she completed a general surgery residency in 1981, I believe, and she can correct me if I've gotten that wrong. She retired from the Army as a colonel in 2006, and I want to start us off, Dr. Castro, with a question for you just to tell us a little bit about what drove your decision to pursue the military as a career. I needed money for medical school. And there you go. That's the bottom line, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, and how did, how did that work for you? Well, there was the Health, Health Profession Scholarship Program, HPSP, mm-hmm. that the military still has. Uh, I heard about it from the pre-med society monthly meetings. Uh, every year they would have representatives from the different armed services come and give a talk about the HPSP program. And that's what clued me into it. Wonderful. And and you, you ended up in the army. Did you look at other branches? Was there anything in particular about the army that that you liked or did, was it just happenstance that you ended up in that branch? Well, my father had been career Air Force, so I figured I would be too. And uh, when I got my acceptance to medical school, which is when you're supposed to make your application for the scholarship, I called the Air Force recruiter and asked him, how do I get the application? And the Air Force recruiter said he didn't know anything about it. So, uh, okay, I, uh, I told him that every year somebody from the Air Force comes to our medical pre-med society meeting and tells about the program. And, and he said, well, maybe it wasn't an Air Force person. Maybe, and I said, my father was in the Air Force for 24 years. I think I would recognize Air Force when I see it. I couldn't convince him. So I applied to the Army and the Navy. And the Army application was very short. And they said, "Okay, you're in Tampa. Go to MacDill Air Force Base and get your physical. Wow, it happened that quickly and easily, huh? Yes. Whereas the Navy said, "Okay, go to Miami and get a physical. And, oh, you wear contacts? Well, don't wear them for three days before the physical. And, oh, you, you weigh less than 100 pounds, you got to gain 10 pounds. Oh, yeah, that's a great thing to tell a, a, a young woman that you want her to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd tell me that now. <laughs> so you ended up going and, and getting your physical and getting into the Army and... And I know you ended up doing general surgery for your specialty training. 
and you did it at USF, so you did a civilian residency. That that might come as a surprise to some folks. Can you walk us through sort of how that how that happened for you? Well, when you uh, you go to the to the medical school office and you ask them to send your transcripts and what have you to to the various places where you're applying. And I, I applied to four medical schools and to the military. And uh, later on, I, I uh, found out from the, the military liaison that they had not received any of my uh, supporting documents. They didn't get my transcripts or whatever. So they didn't consider me for any interview or anything. So I don't know what happened there, but I was accepted to USF and that was fine with me because I didn't have to move or anything. I already knew the people. I already knew the hospitals. It was fine with me. And what was it like in the late 70s, early 80s, being a woman in general surgery? Were there other women in your, in your program or were you sort sure. of... I was the only one in my year group. Okay. But there were, uh, I don't, I don't know that there were any. That, oh yes, there there were, there was at least one woman ahead of me, and there were two in the year behind me, and and another couple in the year behind them, I believe. Oh, that's awesome. But I think I was the first. I was told I was the first woman from USF medical school to go into surgery. Is that right? Well, wow. well, only in the third class. Right. Yes, you were in one of our one of our earlier classes. And they were very small classes. Yes, I, I something in the twenties, correct? The first two, I think, were twenty four, and ours was thirty six. Okay. Yeah, I, I finished in 1989 and I think we had 92. And now the classes are almost double that. Wow. And yeah, they've gotten much, much bigger. So it's, you know, it's challenging for, for the students to get to know one another. You know, I think when you and I were chatting before, you mentioned that, you know, not only did you know your class very well, but you certainly got to know the class ahead or behind you. I don't know how I don't know how often that happens so much anymore. It's it's much more difficult. They're spread out, and you know there's so many. And anyway, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but uh, let's move me. Let me move us back. I don't want to get too tangential. Back to um, your career. I'd really like. I know you you did quite a few different things. Had different roles. You were deployed. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about how you how your career evolved and what kinds of experiences are are most memorable to you? Well, the reason that I uh, stayed in the army after my original three-year uh, commitment was because I was in Germany and I liked it there. I liked traveling uh, in Europe and elsewhere. So I thought this would be, staying in the military would be the way that I would be able to travel and see the world. And did you, again, I think I may be incorrect about this, but I believe your husband is also 
retired uh, military. Did you did you meet him along the, the way or did you meet him when you were in Tampa? No, I met him many years later in Korea. I was stationed in Korea. And by that time he was retired from the army, uh -huh. but he was uh, working for the army as a uh, civilian education counselor. And we met uh, at the United Nations Officers Club in Seoul. Okay. In and fact, we were, we were blind dates and didn't know it. Is that right? Yes. That sounds like a good story. <laughs> his, his friends had invited him and another friend invited me, but nobody told us that we were supposed to get together until the end of the evening. And was I, obviously it was a successful blind date. Yes, I guess so. We eventually <laughs> got together. That's fantastic. Well, and so I got married at, for the first time at the age of 50. My goodness. Interesting. Well, that we, got, we got married uh, right before September 11th, 2001. We were supposed to go to, we were supposed to have a wedding in the States. Uh huh. But that was, that was canceled because uh, leaves and flights and everything were canceled after September the 11th. Yes. So, uh, so I couldn't go, right. but we had a nice reception there in Seoul. Very nice. Well, congratulations on a successful blind date. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so tell me about some of the experiences you had during your, your career. Were you deployed at any point in time into, you know, the- Yes, towards the end I was deployed. Mm -hmm. In 2003 to Afghanistan and 2005 to Iraq. And what was a day in your life like during those deployments? Uh, during the day, we saw some patients in the clinic if they asked us to. Uh, we did some follow-up operations, debridements, what have you. Most of the actual operating, what, the serious operating was at night. And was that simply because the kinds of injuries that occurred tended to happen later in the day or in the evening, or was there a particular- well, I, I think they happened during the day and it just took a while for them, for the patients to get to us. Oh, most, of our, most of our injuries were not Americans. Most were uh, Afghans and, and Iraqis and, and other uh, coalition people. Right, I see, I'm, I'm showing my my ignorance of of what that world is like but if if there's it's not like they're injured next door to the hospital they have to be brought from the field to wherever right. you are so that takes time yes yes that makes sense anything in particular that you that is a special memory for you from your time in the military anything that if you were to talk about why why someone should choose that other than just money to go to medical school, are there special memories that you have? Well, one special memory was uh, my time teaching the military PA students. That was great. I don't I don't know that people are going to join the military for that purpose. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, that was the best job I ever had was teaching the PAs. And another thing about the military is you don't have to worry about insurance and things like that. Right. And we didn't have to ask anybody if we could admit someone to the hospital, for example. Uh, if we yes, wanted to admit them. Right. So a, in some ways, a healthcare system that's that's different than what most of us experience as civilians and most civilian physicians would experience. Yes, I think so. Right. And do you do you see or did you see over the course of your career significant changes in in any of the way medicine was practiced or the types of patients that you were seeing or I don't know anything of that nature. Uh, I don't think the patients changed much. We we had a variety of ages because of the dependents, including in in Korea. We had old people and and children. We had a variety of patients, and when deployed. Like I said, most of the patients that we had were, were not Americans. Uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, I didn't have a single female patient who was uh, not coalition. Right. Uh, although we had children. That must have been tragic to see. Yes, uh, most of the children were injured from... Uh, landmines right in Afghanistan mm. yeah that 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 had I would think that would be very challenging I know that we all sort of get desensitized and put on our you know our our we've got just got to get this done sort of hat but did it impact you afterwards did you sort of feel the the you know the sadness of it after you would you would finish or was there some sense of gratification that you were actually able to help the children? That no, I was glad that we were there and able to help them. And I, I worry what will happen to them when we leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, who's, who's going who's gonna to take care of them then? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll pivot us away from a, a sad thing since we're, we're going to come up on time here in another, another couple, three minutes. Um, Anything about being a woman in the army that you would share with those that may be considering that path now? Any challenges that were different than you sensed from for the men or? I, I don't think so. No, okay. Uh, people get mad when I, people seem to get mad when I say that I didn't perceive any discrimination or harassment. Uh, in medicine, but you know, there are people who didn't like me. Okay, <laughs> but I'd I'd rather have a sense of humor than a sense of outrage about things. Yeah, you know, that's I think that's a really good point. I think I think it's much easier to get through your day if you choose to be positive rather than choose to be negative or angry. You know, people. I often tell people that you you sort of 
you reap what you sow. If you're, if you're a positive person and you have good energy, you tend, that's what tends to come back to you, I think. So I think that's really actually good advice for all walks of life, all aspects of our lives. Yes, that's true. Yeah. If, if you look for trouble, you'll, you'll find it. You sure will. I try to stay away from that. So anything you would tell your younger self, Candace? No, I, I, I would have, I would do it over again, if that's what you mean. Okay. And any, any sage advice for students that might be listening that are thinking about going into the military? Any, anything they should, I guess I'm thinking in terms of, are there things they should consider that will either make them a good fit or may, if, you know, may not be the best fit for them? Are there anything they should think about in that regard? Well, be prepared to uh, remain physically fit. Some people had trouble with the physical fitness test. Mm -hmm. I never did. I just did my own physical fitness test once a week. And when I was, when we had to do it twice a year, then I could do it. There was no sweat. Right. And I, and I never, I was never overweight. So that wasn't a problem either. And tell me a little bit before I close this out with you, what are you doing now? Because I know you're not just sitting around doing nothing. I know you're still very active doing things. Tell us a little about that. Well, I, uh, I finished a degree in teaching English as a second language. So I uh, teach English for uh, Catholic charities. I teach it to refugees and asylees. And uh, I teach uh, BLS and ACLS at the at BAMSI, the uh, Brook Army Medical Center nearby. Right, right. And uh, once a month or so, I still teach in the PA program, the military PA program. And I assume you have not been traveling, but are you looking forward to some travel when the pandemic subsides and where, where are you going to go? Oh, uh, we have a trip planned to Florida. Oh, will you be uh, in Tampa? Well, yes, we do plan to go to that. Yes, that is on the lake, one of the legs of the trip. Good. I, I hope that I will be here and, and be able to meet you in person if you make it here. I know well, you yeah. we can try to get together. That would be lovely, lovely. Anything else before we sign off that you'd like to, to share? Well, I was just thinking the other day that I spent most of my adult life in a state of sleep deprivation. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, it might be different now during residency, but after residency, nobody cares how many hours of work a week how many hours of work you do every week. Exactly. So that, that I think even the medical students would probably relate to the fact that studying and anything that you do that requires the investment of time. We are definitely, I, I hear you, I was sleep deprived. I didn't realize how sleep deprived I was until I actually was able to, to get. Until you weren't. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And I went, wow, I really was pretty sleep deprived. So. Wonderful. 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and you know, being willing to do this with me. I really, really appreciate it. And I think your story will be inspiring to many of our students and even other alumni. And thank you for your service and thank your husband for his service. Um, we really, we, we're very fortunate that we have people that are willing to do what you've done for your career. So thank you. If you have ideas for future podcasts, or if you would like to be a guest, please let me know at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E 25 at usf.edu. Thank you so much for listening.